Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. It is Tuesday, May 26, 2015. I am here with my big sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Julie, it is raining, raining, raining in Texas, isn't it? it Leanne, I wish we could send you some of our water, our moisture. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's ep- epic level in terms of that. And every day I get like alerts, flash flood alerts, tornado warnings, tornado watches. It is nonstop and we have more rain coming. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Those were fairly dramatic photos on the news today, the pictures on the news. And I was thinking the same thing. Why can't that water come to California? I know. I know. Someday some kid's going to figure that out. Get to work kids. Cause we need that. <laughs> yeah. Very, very serious stuff though. So we wish everybody while they're in Texas. We have a full show for you today. Of course, Tuesday is our Outlander recap show. We took last Tuesday off because Julie was in Machu Picchu. You know, that's a good excuse, wasn't it? It is good excuse. So uh, we are going to get back to that uh, Wentworth prison episode brotherly i know i know i know which is a very heavy episode of outlander setting us up for the season finale that's going to be at the end of the podcast julie has part two of her machu picchu tips because response was overwhelming julie people want to know they're going they asked you more questions so you're going to give them a few more details you have posted photos julie dolan posted a video i've never it's my first land scrambling out on the edge. That was as close as I could get because I thought I was going to fall off that thing. Okay. I am proud of you and Susie. You got that video up. It's amazing. Okay. okay. All right. We have some food stories here on Satellite Sisters. You know, on Tuesday, we're always looking for trends. Julie's bringing a couple. I was perusing the Vermont Country Store catalog. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Cutting edge retail and came across a few items I think the Satellite Sisterhood would be interested in. Uh, Joe Queenan, one of our favorite satellite misters, uh, has written a very funny column on graduating, his son graduating from high school. We're going to talk about that. And then a couple weeks ago, the New York Times uh, had a piece that several people mentioned on the Facebook page called like Poor Little Rich Wives. And we're going to talk about that what it's like to be a wife on the upper east side it was written by an anthropologist so that's well, to me was the only the, the most interesting bit about that uh piece but first julie you did oh first i, I want to say thank you to all the lovely messages yes. of condolences that we got on the satellite sisters facebook page on sunday show we mentioned the death of our cousin and morning star and we just really appreciate um the people that took the time to say they were so sorry it was was, um, we, you know, it was very touching, wasn't it, Julie? It's very comforting, Leanne. You know, it's a simple thing, but it, yep. it really is very comforting. It's a great loss for us to lose our cousin. And just uh, to have you acknowledge that, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. 
Uh, if you're not a member of our Satellite Sisters Facebook group, it, w- there's lots of stuff happening there. So go to sa- to Facebook. We have a f- an official page that you can like, and then we have a group which is interactive, and people can post post all kinds of things on the group. But people they keep it clean and they keep it classy. Julie at the Satellite oh, no, Sisters, I learned so much at the Facebook group. So you definitely want to go there, and you want to go there right now because I just posted sort of Urban Nana's notes for Machu Picchu. Oh, okay. We have we have more people in the satellite sisterhood that are act- that have trips planned to Machu Picchu and I hope that I have encouraged others to go uh, because you really need to. So I put up a few more tips that I figured out from from traveling there. I mean the first one Lee, and a lot of people ask you about altitude because Machu Picchu is at 8400 feet and then the really cute uh, colonial town that you definitely want to see either on your way to Machu Picchu or on your way back from Machu Picchu is called Cusco. Mm-hmm. This is one of these world heritage sites and it's absolutely fantastic, but it's at 11,000 feet. So a lot of people sort of freak out. They worry about the altitude, altitude sickness. And the thing in Peru, everybody drinks the coca tea. Now, this is, these, are, these are the coca leaves, they're whole coca leaves, and they just put some hot water on it. I, it, it had no effect on me, Lee. Okay, <laughs> coca tea. I mean, it didn't stimulate me, and it didn't make me sleepy. Um, I the uh, I did not really have too many problems with the altitude. The first night I slept at eleven thousand uh, feet, I didn't sleep very well. But other than that, I was good to go. So maybe it was the coca tea. I don't know. But it. Uh, but don't be afraid of the coca tea. I mean, it's not like. You're not, you're not going to have hallucinations. It's no, not you're not like... going to have hallucinations. You're not going to become a cocaine addict. I mean, they, you know, they serve it everywhere. As soon as you go into a little hotel or a hostel, they give you a cup of co- coca tea. Okay, they serve it on the trains. They serve it everywhere, Lynn. It's pretty much the only kind of tea you can get. So I wouldn't worry about that. Second big tip is you got to prepare for every kind of weather. You got it, the rain gear. You got to have the hat, the scarves. I wish I had brought climbing gloves, Leon, because you do a lot really? of really yes, Leon. You do a lot of scrambling, and you're holding on to rocks, and you know maybe a pair of gloves might have been very helpful with that. Just a little tip: they sell some excellent cheap rain ponchos, the most effective rain ponchos in Cusco. Okay. You know they're like a dollar ninety nine, but they're the best. So think about that. Don't forget your bug spray. It's the jungle. And you need the bug spray with DEET in it, Leanne. Not, you know, don't get that, you know, natural. Natural. No, no, you can't use the organic. No, nothing organic. You need the real DEET. Make sure it says that, you know. So I think that's that's possible. I've listed some of the restaurants we we ate in. We went for lunches because that was cheaper and they were super delicious. So I hope you'll uh, take advantage of my suggestions there. Also, some fine stores for handicrafts. You know I love crafts. Yes. You know? and, uh, and we went to one fantastic market, but it's only good on a Sunday. And so I've listed that as well. So I've got some tips up there that really I think I'm very proud of my travel tips. And I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy those. Okay, Julie, very good. You know, we it is surprising to me how many people uh, on the Facebook page either have a trip to Machu Picchu planned immediately or have now added a trip to Machu Picchu based on your reporting. Some people in your age category, so they were they were grateful for the tips that you needed to, you know, get fit, get ready for it. It's not easy, but it's totally worth doing. Um, we had Megan who wanted to know what was the name of that book that you 
mentioned before yes. about Machu Picchu, and that is turn turn right, turn right at Machu Picchu, and okay. I posted that too. Yeah, okay. that's 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 the book to read. I, I would say just because it has the right level of details, you can get bogged down in like the whole Inca dynasty thing. But uh, <laughs> but this book, well. I'm yes. just saying. Like, well, once you know, find out they didn't have the wheel, kind of I know, I know, makes you really makes you rethink that. I know, shucks. But they're really good at so many other things. The hydraulics, Leon, they, they were just they were masters at that. So you got to okay. give them some credit. So anyway, okay. well, we also have a lot of people going to Yosemite. It appears like Mary is headed off there. A couple of other people headed off to Yosemite, which is another fantastic hiking trip of a lifetime, totally worth seeing right here in the United States. So have a good time. And then Jonelle has been posting occasional updates on her daughter who is, uh, who is hiking the Appalachian trail. And she's now done over 700 miles on the Appalachian trail. Her daughter who looks to be, I don't know, I can't tell, but the pictures are adorable. She looks like she's in her mid twenties. So Wow, I know, and she's she's going way out on a cliff. Yeah, that, that, that picture I can barely look at. I was like, "Get back in off the cliff!" So, yeah, I know. Just, that's what I, I think. I know, but so you know, for a community basically where we've declared many times how much we hate hiking, we actually have a lot of people who are doing outdoorsy adventure things. So that's great. We want to hear about it. Satellite Sisters Facebook page. You do have to ask to join our Facebook group. Um, and a, a lot of times we get fake accounts asking to join as spammers or bots. And so this week, Julie, uh, because I'm a, a, you know, an admin, I get, I see the people who asked to join and yeah. I had, th- it was a tip off that I had three people asked to do- join, all of whom were named Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very like, popular name, Leon. I think. Wow, it's right? a lot of cherries asking to join the group. <laughs> I don't think any of them were really named Cherry. Let's just say that. All right, but uh, go ahead and do, go ahead and join our group too. We love to we love to interact with you there on social media. And um, one final shout out to our former producer Corny Cole. Oh, that's who right. Is, who is attempting to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? They talk as she should drink some coca tea. That's what I think she's going to need. But that is that is really a major, major event. And we're really wishing her well. And uh, we can't wait to hear the news and follow her follow her trail up Mount Kilimanjaro. So. Yeah, that's exciting. She's going with her niece. So and Courtney did attempt to count to hike Mount Kilimanjaro once. She was in Africa, like long before she started to work for us on a um like a find yourself trip. And she just started she she tried to hike it honest to God in flip-flops the last time. Like she was just a stupid 20-something who really didn't know what she was getting into. And she was like, Yeah, I'll go hike Mount Kilimanjaro. Oops. And she has well, I, I think we've already talked about inappropriate footwear. You know, you have right. to respect you mentioned that. Pachamama. That's Mother Earth. You have to respect Pachamama. <laughs> so I'm sure Corny has learned that lesson. Hey, this time of year, in addition to a lot of people out there hiking, it's also that people are graduating. Uh, as you know, this is graduation season. And I saw a cute article by Joe Queenan. You know, he writes a lot of funny stuff. And he is delighted that his youngest child has uh, graduated from high school, but not so much for his youngest child. He's really delighted um, because he no longer has to be a school parent. (laughs) He he is one of these people. He just admits it right out. 
that he has he has just suffered incredibly during his children's high school, you know, or elementary through high school careers, that he never, ever enjoyed anything about it. He didn't want to be parent of the day, you know, where you go in and you're in charge. He didn't want to go to parent teacher evaluations. He said those used to make him really clammy. You know, he just, he just didn't want to be in that role, you know, and I don't know whether other parents feel that too. I mean, he feels like it was his kid's role. This is their schooling. He's already been to school and somehow now, you know, as adults or as parents, that everybody has to have this gigantic, well-defined role, you know, with, and responsibilities as a parent of a student. What do you think of that, Lee? I think it's, it's really funny because now I have, you know, a high school junior and I just finished up my term on the board uh, of, the, of the Mother's Guild at my son's school. So, um, so I am officially done with all of my volunteering. We have mandatory volunteer hours, but I have banked enough hours this year. Like I don't have to be on campus at all last year. And even though I am sure next year, next year. And so even though I'm sure that I have engaged far, far more than Joe Queenan ever did, I also feel a sense of lightness. (laughs) Like I've loved being a part of the community, but I'm also ready to, to move on. You know, I, I, I think it's been great. It's fun. I've met great moms. I will probably, I'm sure, stay in touch with some of the mothers. There's even an alumni mothers association I can join from my son's high school. But, you know, as what happened when my kids, you know, elementary school, the junior high, and now ready to go. I'm ready to go. I, I'm, the school volunteering portion of my life is happily over. <laughs> Yes, I mean, and I think he makes the point that just some people maybe are are much more suited to participation in their children's education than others. I mean, it wasn't. I'm not saying he does. He did, wasn't disinterested in yeah. his, you know in his children, but he just didn't want an active role. I mean, I, I remember the terror. The you know, I where you're like the teacher of the day, and my son was like in first grade, and I had planned this little project, and I thought it was going to go well, and they finished the project in five minutes. And then then there was like 40 minutes where they were just running around the room and they were like totally out of control. I mean, I was, I was just like, this was a big failure. I, I just didn't, you know, I just think some people may be better suited to it than others and stuff. So I don't know. It but, is, uh, it is certainly is true at this point that like, now that we have all, you know, electronic grades and everything, you can, as a parent, you can go check your child's, you know, grade in Algebra 2 at any time of the day or night, you know, for up to the minute reports. I hate that. I like, I hate that. Like when I get a notice that a grade has been posted, I don't, I cannot wait for those notices to stop coming. <laughs> really? I just don't. I don't want to know. It's a lot of tension. It's a lot of stress. It's as if you were going to school again. You know, that's, I think, Joe Queenan's point. It's like, he's already done it. He did it once. Maybe, and maybe he didn't really love it all that much, you know? So now to go back through it with his kids, you know, it is just a tremendous relief not to, you know... Not to have to go any further with with your, with your children. <laughs> I can certainly understand. I mean, as the youngest of eight, I can certainly understand why my parents lost interest in our <laughs> academic lives. Like, 
I don't know, maybe probably after Liz. I think yeah. with Sheila, Monica, Brendan, and yeah, I, there was a blur. very, was... very limited interest in what happened in our academic lives. But it made you the strong, independent person that you are today. Yes. There, yeah. you yeah. there you have it. Well, we were, it was funny. We were joking yesterday. We, um, we actually drove up, Liz and I, to see our Morningstar cousins, those who are in California who, who were here. Um, and uh, it was informal. We were just sitting around you know laughing like we always do even though it was a sad event we they had dug up a bunch of old pictures and as we mentioned on the show saturday our moms were identical twin sisters they had nine kids in their family we had eight in our family and so many of the photos we can't even because they were first of all horrible photos to begin with we can't even tell like who was who like which little blonde head was that was that us or you or anything and then we both recalled really touching moments. Um, there was a photo of uh, Aunt Eleanor with four of the kids. And um, our cousin Beth said, I remember distinctly when my mother said to me, four was the perfect number of children. <laughs> I should have stopped at four. And Beth, of course, is number five. So that... <laughs> And Liz told a story where she remembers mom saying to her, her mom actually had a couple of miscarriages after my first brother was born. And she remembers our mother saying to her, um, boy, you know, I, I used to cry at night because I didn't think I could have any more children. And now I cry at night because I have so many children. <laughs> it was just really one of those moments where we just all started howling like looking at these photos with all these kids so there you have it oh boy good times uh all right well congratulations to joe queenan graduating from high school a lot of high school graduations happening uh last weekend and college graduations more coming up it's fun to see people's facebook photos you know it's as we've said before julie high school graduations is a big event you are happy when they graduate you're happy when they graduate healthy and happy so uh that in and of itself is quite an accomplishment all right there's another story in the new york times um well, that Joe Queen and piece, I guess, was in the Wall Street Journal. So this one in the New York Times caught my eye. It was called Poor Little Rich Wives. And it was written um, by, it got a lot of attention. It was written by an anthropologist, a woman who uh, moved to the Upper East Side in New York from Lower Manhattan and then used kind of her anthropological eye to observe the women that she now came in contact with. And... Um, you know, the Upper East Side has always been a, a series of, it's been fascinating to people. Plenty of movies set there. Uh, you know, people, uh, the Devil Wears Prada comes to mind. Um, what was the Tom Wolf one? Barbarians at the Gate? Or what yeah, the yeah. other one, Tom Wolf one? Uh, uh, no, uh, Masters of the Universe. Yeah, that one. Yeah, so, that, yeah, yeah. So that, you that know. that's the name of the movie. But it is, it's, it's sort of. These these are these are the rich rich people, right? You know? These and, are the richest of the rich. The the, the husband. nanny diaries, right? There you go. Yeah. yeah, yes. So it's often often referred to. So this anthropologist bonfire of, fire of the bonfire of the vanities. Thank, Thank you, you Julie. Okay. Oof. Oof. All right, we are pull that, pull that out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so this anthropologist turned her eye to the mommies around her that she saw. And all in all, the article is fairly unflattering about these women. Um, she outlines, but you know what, let's face it. 
if an anthropologist, I think, turned their trained eye to almost any group of people, it would be, yes. it right. would be unflattering, wouldn't it? Right. It would be unflattering. I mean, I was immediately suspicious of this because, you know, just that there are sort of like different groups in New York. You have the, you know, the fancy people on the Upper East Side and the people that live in lower Manhattan. They have a whole different subculture, you know, that they so they, you know, and there's sort of a certain amount of animosity built into you know, these these two different cultural wor- worlds. So I kind of felt like maybe the anthropologist was trying to give those Upper, upper East Side ladies a hard time. But but carry on, Liam. Yes, her, na- her name is Wednesday Martin. I'll put a link to the article at SatelliteSisters.com. But she refers to these women as the Glam Sams, the glamorous stay-at-home moms. I don't know if you've seen that acronym, yes. Sam, H-A-H-M, for stay-at-home moms. And then she describes a world where, you know, they that actually their job is to maintain their multiple homes, you know, get the kids into good schools, maintain their, you know, their looks and their body and their figure. Uh, and at the end of the year, these wives actually, she claims, get bonuses. That Do you she, believe that, Leanne? Do no. you believe that, no. that, that husbands are paying their wives bonuses at the end of the year if they perform well as a wife? No. Here's what I believe. I believe these are all guys, and they are all, again, she, one of the interesting things she noted was the separation of the sexes in this world. And I did think that was interesting, that the women of this world prefer to socialize with the women and the men prefer to socialize with the men. She, even at dinner parties, they're in separate tables. They go away on girls' weekends and guys' weekends. They have various clubs that are separated. They live very separate lives. And so as an anthropologist, she was saying, if that's the case in those societies where the sexes are segregated, women automatically have less power. It's only when the sexes are integrated that women can assert their power. So here's what I believe, though. A lot of these men are private equity, run private equity funds or hedge funds. They get bonuses once a year. So I think that's when they do the spending. Like, I don't think the husband is literally writing the wife a bonus check. Do you? No, but I think the husband is sort of green lighting uh, credit card charges when the bonus comes in. Is that possible? Yeah, Yeah, I think that's 100% possible. Anybody who gets paid on a bonus, that's that's what they do. They get a much smaller salary, uh, you know, all year long. And then the bonus comes in and, oh, okay, now we can redecorate. Okay, now we can contribute to charity. Yeah. So it may seem like an actual bonus, but it's just the way they manage their money. So, I mean, not that I'm... I'm not unsympathetic to these women. I just, I feel bad that I'm sure if an anthropologist looked at us, the satellite sisters, things would not go well. No, I I think the dysfunction would be obvious, Liam, right? No doubt. Right. She would find plenty. There are no bonuses in the satellite sisters world. We could use some bonuses. (laughs) Yeah. That maybe we should implement some a bonus plan. Okay. Right. So but again, I think if an anthropologist looks at anybody, things are gonna go badly. <laughs> but right, right. I did think the idea of all the, the separation of the sexes though, um w- that resonated with me. But I think that's true in almost any you know, social circle. I'm, I'm thinking I mean, of, don't you find that like when you go to a picnic or, you know, or you go to a soccer game or something that you end up, ch- you know, chit chatting with the, with, you know, the moms, you know, more so than the dads, I guess that's, that's, 
think yeah, that's I mean, I actual. think we come together and we move apart. But yes, and, and yes, that does happen. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that it happens. I mean, she makes the point that the men in this pair, they sit on the powerful boards where um, donations of $150,000 are expected. And the women, on the other hand, who are equally as educated with equally fancy degrees from equally fancy schools are volunteering their time on the school board. So oh. that, you know, that there is definitely there there is definitely an inequality there to that. Uh, and that was the other piece she mentioned, that these are all highly educated women who are now glam sams. So, but uh, again, that's their choice. Did she recommend that they should change their lifestyle? Or um, she just sort of reporting on, her, on their lifestyle? You know, you're cutting out a little bit, Julie. I'll just tell you that. So I don't know if we need to reconnect. But, um, you know, she's an anthropologist, so she doesn't recommend anything. She And she's right, but she's writing a book. So you'll... I mean, and that's her, she's not a tip. She doesn't give tips. She's not a psychologist or any or sociologist. She's an anthropologist. She's just reporting what she sees. So there you have it. I'll, we'll put both these articles at the Satellite Sisters. It's interesting to me, but I completely disbelieve the bonus thing. I think it's made up. <laughs> okay, okay. Leanne, I, I agree with you. Okay, I hope I come, I'm coming in loud and clear now. Um, you're a little scratchy. You know what? Let's, we're going to take a quick break, Julie. Let's you and I reconnect because we definitely want to hear, um, the two food trend stories that you have. So we're the Satellite Sisters. Stay with us. We're going to take a break. Reconnect. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. We're back. Okay, Julie is reconnected and sounding good. Maybe it's the weather there, Julie, that's affecting you in Texas. Uh, we have a couple of food trend stories coming up. Uh, you know, highlights from the Vermont Country Store catalog. Oh, don't, just stay tuned. Yeah. Don't, don't go anywhere. <laughs> you don't want to miss that. And Outlander. Okay. Sister Sasnak. I've gotten several people commenting on my pronunciation of that. And here would be my um, retort to that. I am from Connecticut, and sometimes my mouth doesn't move in in ways other people's mouth moves. Yeah, Sass- I mean, I mean, that I have- let a sound is hard for me. Sasnock, 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 whatever. We know what you're talking. We know what you're saying. Right yeah, now. thank I, you. I mean, you can just you, read the subtitles. Okay, we can't understand them anyway. So just, there you go. Just close caption me, people. Just CC me. All right. All right. So, okay, Leanne Wells, Tuesday, it's trends. Here's a food trend. And I, you know, I know, I know you're going to get on this bandwagon because I, th- I think it's a really good idea that chefs around the country are getting, they're getting good at serving parts of our produce that we usually throw away, that chefs are trying to uh, create less waste. Let me give you an example. Like they are taking the tops of carrots and instead of just snapping them off and throwing them away, they're making that into pesto. They, you know, they want us to eat the stems of everything. You know, they, they want us to take overripe and bruised fruit and somehow, you know, they're going to jazz it up and cook it up so that, you know, so that they don't have to throw so much away, which I think is a really good idea. You know, that in the same way that there's, you see in a lot of restaurants, that sort of nose to tail thing in yes. terms of animals that they're trying they you know you now when you go into restaurants you see they're serving 
parts of animals that we never used to eat, right? <laughs> kind of makes me gag, but yeah. Okay, I okay, okay. But well, then we'll, we'll just stick with the veggies then, Lee. And I don't want you, I mean, that even like they're saying the green parts of leek, your favorite vegetable, Lee, mm-hmm. right? You have to start to use that. And that... How, you know, how do you use that? That's that so you tough. stir fry that up, uh, the dark part of the green leeks, and you put in a little fish sauce, a little soy sauce, and it's totally edible. Huh. And then you start, should try to puree more things. Just don't throw it away, which right. is, I think it's good, but I'm not a chef. So I'm worried about taking the cauliflower core, which they recommend, and making pasta out of that. <laughs> I don't. I don't see how that... I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to need some more help on that. Don't you think? I'm just concerned about the whole repositioning of cauliflower anyway. Like he got a recipe today that was cauliflower pizza crust. How is that possible? (laughs) What is that? I mean, I like cauliflower, but just stop. We don't have to use it never. It's not flour. It's cauliflower. Yeah. But I do feel guilty sometimes, like throwing away stuff like that. Like, I think there must be a use for these, you know, carrot tops or something. And and there isn't. (laughs) So so I'm glad to know. I'd be curious. Yeah, I would be, you know, I don't think I could use all of the tips because you're right. I don't think I have the equipment to turn um, things into pasta. But um, some of them I would enjoy knowing, like, what should I do with this? Because I do feel bad throwing away what looked to be leafy greens and like I'm sure you could do something with them I just don't know what yeah that you're I mean generally you're gonna have to like marinate it or puree it yeah. or something like watermelon rinds don't throw those away Leon. you can trim the dark green skin from the rinds then you can pickle it with lime juice sugar vinegar salt and spices are you huh. going to do that? Well, you could do that. Though. Well, I think trimming good... the greens. Wait, the rinds? I don't know. Yes. So you trim the light green stuff. You trim the dark green the skin outside. from the outside. Well, that sounds and then impossible you just to use... do. <laughs> well, sounds... I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> We're not professional chefs, okay. but that's what they're doing. And I think that's this is a movement, which is good, that you're going to see more stems and stalks and core you know, vegetable cores on, on, you know, on the menu and just take notice of it. So that I will. Yep. Vegetable cores. I I don't think I'm going to pay to eat a vegetable core. (laughs) Yes, you are, Leanne. Okay. If you pay to eat kale, you could eat it. You could eat a steak. I mean, just think of it that way. Yep. Yep. Good point. Good point. Okay. Which brings me to another, my, not my second story, which is not so much a trend as a book. There's a new book out called the Dorito effect. Oh, good time. And this is, this is now we have done the United, you know, the world in particular, particular, the United States has done an excellent job of like really increasing the amount of, you know, fruits, vegetables that we can get from the same acreage. You know, we have really boosted our production, our ability to grow things um, or to, you know, to raise animals on the same plot of land. And in doing so, we have, we are, we are growing more vegetables, but they don't taste as good. You know, they don't have as many nutrients in them. I mean, tomatoes is are are a fine example of this, right, Leanne? Because I think we all can remember as children that tomatoes were tasty. Okay. (laughs) They're not so tasty now. Okay. It's like the corn we have in California is the worst corn ever. It's like they give the good stuff to the cows and then they sell the people the worst. It is just tasteless corn. I don't know why 
There's no, if you've ever had corn not in California, if you've had the good Jersey corn or, you know, corn from the Midwest, it's just delicious corn. Our corn is terrible here. Terrible. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> okay. sorry, I had to Ooh. speak, okay. I had to speak, speak out. out. Speak I had to out speak out. It's just yeah. terrible. Okay. So that's what's <laughs> happening is that we are not now, our palate is we're just not being satisfied by this terrible California corn that you're eating. Uh-huh. And because of that, we start to prefer we fake food. Fake food like Doritos taste better to us. You know, that they oh. fact, the fake flavor of a Dorito, they said it, it sort of kicks off the same neuro neurological things that if you t- you know if you took heroin or cocaine <laughs> That you, it's the same thing. You just crave the artificial taste because you're not getting that from, you know, from the fruits and vegetables that uh, that are just, they're nutrient deficient. I mean, they gave the example of, do you realize that when Saddam Hussein was in prison, okay, he was actually hooked on Doritos. He would devour a family-sized bag of Doritos in 10 minutes. He called them Dories, but he just, he couldn't get enough of them. He just... That is a weird fact. Isn't that a weird fact? Yes. But it's because they triggered this burst, the, you know, the flavors, the fake flavors trigger these in our, you know, neuron transmitters, you know, and they activate the same brain circuitry that, that is in heroin or cocaine. So Saddam Hussein was hooked on Doritos, like, like much of the United States, right? We like the fake flavors. So that's a sad thing. So, I mean, and I don't know what the, there's no quick answer to that. I guess we just have to keep eating the stems, eat the cores, you know, eat those stalks, try to get as much nutrients as we can and just stay away from Doritos. (laughs) Doritos kill, Liam. As if you didn't know. It's like heroin. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, that's some of those those purple Doritos, the purple bag Doritos. That's incredible flavor. But it's just, it's sad that that's what our... You know, it is sad. It we, is sad that, that that's what we've gotten used to. Yeah, so I know. the name of that book is called The Dorito Effect by Mark, Mark Schatzker or something <laughs> like that. I was trying to be really official there, but I totally butchered his last name. Sassanac. Mark, Sassanac. Mark Sassanac. That's his ah. Oh, track each other up. Okay. 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 All right. Speaking of that, I uh, I get the Vermont Country Store catalog. Now, no, why, um, why is that, Liam? You why? know what? Because once, like five years ago, Mom needed some flannel pajamas and she doesn't, you know, our mother like did never ordered one thing online. Not, she didn't know, she never did that. She would like get the catalog, fill out the thing, send in the check. So they needed some flannel pajamas stat. Okay. <laughs> I had taken them like on four trips in Southern California to find flannel pajamas. They just don't exist here in Southern right. California. I was like, I'm just going to order them and have them delivered to you tomorrow from the Vermont country store. And ever since then I have gotten their catalog and it's, it, the Vermont country store is the store that time forgot. Like if you're, <laughs> you know, it is. If it, you want to go back to the 1950s, 
This is your place. This is the catalog for you. And so it's just, it has the wackiest combination of health and beauty and home and candy and, uh, you know, women's clothing, like lawns, nightgowns, like all the women's clothing you need. Like if you're wondering, where do I get those moo-moos? Like that's a whole category at the Vermont (laughs) Country Store. Moo-moos. Short moo-moos, long moo-moos, patterned moo-moos, flowered moo-moos. All your moo needs can be met by the Vermont Country Store. And usually, I have to admit, I just recycle the catalog. But this time, I was I must have been just standing in the kitchen. I decided to look through it. Okay. Chewing on, so you were just chewing on stems? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And so I decided to look through it. A couple products stuck out to me, Judy. Uh, Ju- Judy. <laughs> Which would be a good name if you were. Worked at the Vermont Country Store. Um, in, in my moo-moo. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so one product that they are still selling there is Lemon Up Shampoo. Do you remember Lemon Up Shampoo? Oh. You wow. would if you saw it. And I will post the photo at SatelliteSisters.com. Its signature is that it has a bright yellow bottle with the lemon as the cap. Oh, yes, I remember Lemon Up. Yeah, because we all wanted that sort of lemony look in our hair because that was going to make our hair lighter and blonder, right? Right. It promised that it would get your hair squeaky clean and lemony, all right? (laughs) And it's made with the juice of one lemon. And it's good for oily hair. And I know that the Dolan girls lapped up a lot of lemon up shampoo because we thought it was going to make our hair blonder. Okay. So I was like, lemon up shampoo. That's incredible that you can still buy that. It's $15 a bottle, mind you. So you have to really want your lemon up. But for some reason, then I wandered down. I got online and I wandered down to the, um, to the comments categories (laughs) You really were bored, Leon. You were reading lemon up shampoo comments. I mean, people are people are psyched that this shampoo is there. Was my mom's favorite shampoo from the seventies? People say, "Oh my gosh, my got it for my granddaughter. She's fifteen. She loves it." Where's the lemon up conditioner? She wants to know. Uh, And then, uh, but this was my restores my youth says Keystone <laughs> Kelly. I'm a lemonholic and delighted to see this product again. But this was my favorite. This caught my eye. She said, I buy this shampoo not to use. I just like to take the cap off and smell it. Because <laughs> I guess that's what people in Vermont are doing. I... Sitting, around, sitting around in their oh. moo-moos, feet oh. up on the coffee table. Smelling, sniffing lemon up shampoo. That that is it. What? Who does that? She just just snorts the shampoo. Oh my gosh. Anyway, there you go. So if you're looking for that lemon up shampoo, but then another product caught my eye because we've been talking a lot about the resurgence of Snoopy. Yes, Snoopy at yes, Satellite we, Sisters. We've called more, it. We've seen it. More empirical evidence that Snoopy is back. The Vermont Country Store has a full selection, Julie, of Snoopy's classic Peanuts flannel pajamas. (laughs) Okay. You can get the Snoopy print pajamas in a wrap robe, in the flannel pajamas, in the cotton pajamas. You can get men's pajamas 
It is an adorable Snoopy print in the. I think that's pretty cute. Do you think Liz would like that for her birthday? You get her like some Snoopy jammies. You know, Jill. Let's go to the comments because I did. Okay. <laughs> yes, let's go to the comments, Lynn. Thank goodness you had some time to do this research. Okay. Yep. And I am surprised, Julie, how many men appear to have bought the Peanuts pajamas for their wives as a gift. Wow. In fact, Bailey says that every time she gets in them, I feel surrounded by my hubby's love. (laughs) So here's another guy. He calls himself Pigpen, which is pretty funny. (laughs) I ordered these pajamas for my wife for Christmas. Okay, there you go. I can't believe how many people ordered these pajamas. So, I don't know. I think Liz would enjoy this. Uh, The robe looks very nice to me. (laughs) It's a very cute Snoopy print. So, there you go. If you were looking uh, for Snoopy's flannel pajamas or Lemon Up shampoo, Vermont Country Store is the place to find them. Well, Leon, thank you so much. Because I didn't have time to do that. (laughs) I'm glad you did. I mean, I think they're a good gift for anyone, really. It doesn't yes. have to be your wife. It can be anybody. Classic flannel pajamas. All right. It is time now to go to Outlander, Sister Sasnach. <laughs> Sasnach. Um, Sasnach. Uh, our weekly recap of the Outlander TV series. There is just one more episode left. We are gearing up for the season finale next week. But first, we had to painfully suffer through the darkest episode of the season, Wentworth Prison. Now, it was so dark, Julie. It was, first of all, it was physically dark, right? You couldn't see anything. It was was shot in the dark. It was all dark. I mean, there, you know, it was such a downer setting. There, you know, we didn't have a ball. We didn't have a marketplace. There was no duel. What, where are the highlands, Lee? And that's what I was saying during the whole episode. Where are the highlands? It was dark because thematically we had hanging, we had torture, we had sexual deviance, we had uh, we had sadism. We had at one scene all three people got choked. Somehow there were three, three people in a room, and all three people got choked. We had images of crucifixion. It was just. It was so dark. Every scene just got worse and worse and worse. And third, it was dark because mainly I had my eyes closed for a lot of the. I know. Of the show. I know. All right. So in this scene, when we left off the week before, uh, before Julie went to Machu Picchu, Jamie had been taken off to Wentworth Prison for yeah. crimes that you know he was part of a he was part of a crew that did some crimes in the Highlands, and he it looked like he was going to pay for it. And Claire had rallied the troops, and yes, she did. And uh, she and Murtaugh and the band of brothers were headed off on their ponies to Wentworth Prison to free Jamie. And when we when it opens, we see that Jamie is just about to be hung. Uh, well, can, I, can I just interrupt, Lynn? Because yeah. I have to say that dirty Jamie, oh, who, uh, you know, when he was just about to be hung, yeah. hung it was working for me. It was. I like, I... All dirty. I like him all dirty like that. Okay. He seemed particularly chiseled. Like he hadn't. You know, maybe slightly dehydrated or something. I like dirty Jamie. I, I was that was good. That was working for in, me. In an episode filled with dirty men and dirty yes. hair and dirty clothes. Yeah, yes. you're right. He was he was fantastic. And I noticed he was the only one there still wearing the kilt. Uh yes. Yes. So. 
So we we start with Jamie just about to be hung. His cohort on this marauda in this marauding band uh, is hung, but not before he makes an impassioned speech, saying to the British soldiers, uh, "What stupid lives they lead!" Like at least he was out there fighting the good fight. And uh, Jamie smiles a little. Looks like he's you know going to take death like a man. And then out of the blue, he gets saved by Captain Jack <sighs> Randall. That now. Was, to me, I was I was like completely perplexed with that. Okay, I was I mean because these hanging scenes, Leon, were were very graphic. I My mean, God, yes, that was. One I mean, the sound effect. I mean, you really felt like they were, you know, they were choking to death, and uh, and you heard like the snapping of their necks. I mean, it was this this was dark. And so then all of a sudden, who's back? Black Jack Randall. I was like, how did you get here? And and you're going to save Jamie? I don't get this. Yeah. Well, I was confused, Liam. See, Julie, you have not read the books and I have. So that's I like I knew it was coming, which is why from the beginning, from the very first episode, Black Jack has made me squirm. And uh, now he was coming to get his revenge on Jamie. Jamie was looking for a pardon and blaming Randall for a murder that Jamie was accused of. Uh, Blackjack had intercepted the message and was now um, going to make Jamie pay for his loyalty. As he said once before, you know, he gave you the choice. Blackjack Randall once tried to get Jamie uh, interested in him in prison. He basically uh, wants to be with Jamie. <laughs> I mean, we all want to be with Jamie, I think. But Black- Clean Jamie, no clothes Jamie, yeah. dirty Jamie. Guilty Jamie. Want, we, guilty Jamie. We all want Jamie. But nobody more than Black Jack Randall in a, in a sadistic way. Yes. So uh, he had offered Jamie, give me your body. You can have anything you want before. Jamie turned him down. Now it looks like he's going to make Jamie pay. So yeah. he t- takes Jamie off to this Wentworth prison, manages to find, like, the dirtiest cell ever <laughs> and darkest. Dark. It was very dark. So I, I, you can't understand what they're saying, and you can barely see the actors. But yes, it's, it was a great scene. And it was very damp. And it doesn't matter because Jamie is shackled, and he is still trying to get out of there. He's going to keep pulling on those shackles until somehow they come, they come loose from the wall. Right. Uh, in the meantime, Claire has proven to be fairly wily. She manages to get inside the prison under some sham excuse that you know she provides ministry to the to the condemned or something and uh she's sussing out the prison she thinks she's going to break jamie out she's got her band of men she thinks she can do it and uh they do come up with a rather devious scheme she manages to get the um keys to the prison and she goes in search of jamie in this terrible awful prison and she finds him in this dank (laughs) dark dungeon That was, I mean, I, I'm having a hard time, you know, with time travel, but that, that she was just wandering around in the prison, like, okay. I mean, she, first she tried that English lady strategy, yeah. you know, where she, and she wasn't even really trying to save Jamie at that point. She just went to pass a note to him. Yeah. I didn't get that. That, I was like, what would Jenny do in this situation, Claire? Come on, you got to get with it. But she did get the keys, as you said, yeah. and she went in. But she's just like a woman wandering around, the English lady wandering around in this prison. I don't know. So. Yeah, there seem to be no guards in this prison because she they only really encountered one guard that they promptly killed. Uh, but, um, but yeah, Claire had that great piece of neckwear on, her brooch. She was... She looks very. She looked good. She was not dirty. She's not dirty, Claire. No, uh, she wasn't. But where were her weapons, Leon? This is what I don't understand. Her little knife. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, don't know. She, 
she, you know, I mean, what was the last thing Jenny told her to do, right? Do always keep, you know, a weapon in your garter, right? And she didn't do that. So I was, I feel like she really could have used some weapons in the prison. So she encounters, she does find Jamie, she hears him, and she hears him being interrogated by Blackjack Randall. And things are not going well in the interrogation room. <laughs> Blackjack <laughs> wants an understatement. Ja- yeah. Blackjack wants Jamie something bad. So the first thing he does, because he, like, at one point he asks creepily, show me your scars. I know. That's what I was like. That was like stomach curling. That I just don't. Oh, my gosh. When he started to cut up his shirt and he wanted to touch him. Oh, Oh, God. And the whole time he was also like, you know, I think I'll smash your hand to bits. So you can't. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was was just so, you know, it was sadistically. And that's what this was. It was demeaning and sadistic. And uh, he, he exits the room and Claire finds Jamie and it's like okay don't worry we're gonna break you out I've I've opened a prison gate in the back door things are good good and then Blackjack Randall comes back I know, I know. and again if Claire had brought her weapon she might be able to do something but she was she didn't have that she so. did try she did throw him up against the wall yes at one I point. enjoyed that that was like one of the highlights of the very dark episode you know I, Claire was cha- channeling Jenny and like and she did like she really she manhandled Bl- Black Jack Randall. Yeah, yeah. But a, a dark bargain is set, and uh, Black Jack has the upper hand in everything. Well, mainly because Jamie is shackled, and then he nails literally nails his hand to a table. So that was so, gruesome. It was gruesome. And it was just I, so it um, was very. Yeah, this show continues to leave me gobsmacked every single week, Liam. You know, we talked about it time and time again, but there's just not the same respect for for human rights in, in in the 18th century in Scotland as we may have now. And like they show it all in this show. You see it all. You see the good moments and you see the rough moments. We saw a lot of just bodily fluid in general. This show a lot, you know. Claire was throwing up. We saw blood. We saw a lot happening in this show. Uh, none of which was the slightest bit sexy, I have to say, despite the reputation of the show. So an evil bargain is struck. And in order for Blackjack Randall to let Jamie go, he has to submit to uh, Blackjack's demands for, you know, for Jamie basically to become his sex slave, I guess. That's the only way to put it. Yeah. And so Claire uh, goes off. She's trying to get uh, rally the troops to go back. She she's she's horrified by the whole situation. It's horrifying. She's hysterical. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's horrifying. She's sobbing. I mean, that was a good bit of acting. There. It was. I, I did enjoy that. And then we I see Jamie that. when it's when he realizes what's happening when Blackjack is like rubbing his hands up and down his scars, and you just see this one perfect tear fall from Jamie's eyes. It was very moving, very moving, and. Uh, Claire, they managed to be uh, housed. The the army of um, of Scots managed to be housed in, of course, a sympathizer. And so the person who gave Jamie's mother the pearls, it's a small world, I guess, in Scotland. Uh, but somehow they've hatched a plan that involves cattle. Uh, we don't really... <laughs> Right? Yeah. Where was that? I, I don't know. Well, I didn't understand it, I but I'm hoping Leon can explain it to me because 
But yeah. there was some cattle yeah. rustling or something. Yes. Going on it didn't look like any of the locals were going to join their fight to free Jamie from Wentworth Prison and the clutches, the real clutches of Blackjack Randall. But somehow some cattle showed up and Murtaugh got the idea, oh, this is going to help us. So there you go. That's where we're left for the big season finale next week. Whew. I know. It was brutal to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. This was a very uncom- uncomfortable episode. Uh, I don't know where it leaves you, you know, I mean, it, you're in the depths of despair. And so I'm hoping they're going to, you know, like take us somewhere else for the, uh, for the finale land, because maybe, this they, is the maybe they'll like the time show. travel, maybe they'll time travel to Disneyland or something. <laughs> I don't know, Leanne. but if this is the direction of the show, like, I, I don't know how many more, I, I can't do another episode like this. That's what I thought. I mean, it was just very difficult to watch. Okay. All right. So next week, the big finale, we'll be back with our recap. But yeah, you never know where the show is going to take you. Uh, if you have more to contribute, please, you can find us at SatelliteSisters.com or on our Facebook page or the Facebook group. Um, Jewel, uh, what's happening this week? Anything else going on? Uh, I'm just trying to calibrate, Leanne. You know, I had the big trip to uh, to Peru. Yeah. And then I had a three-day babysitting. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah, that's right. So I just am coming off of that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm just trying to reach an equilibrium this Got week, Leanne. Got okay? it. Well, I, I have uh, this task ahead of me. My Well, it's not really ahead of me, but it is ahead of me indirectly. <laughs> What is that? Well, my high school junior son, he thought he had a job for the summer and appears to have fallen through. Oh, no. So there was, yesterday we had the like, what are you going to do for the summer meeting? We had a house meeting on that. And there was a lot of, yeah, yeah, I'll work on that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I was like, no maybes. It's after Labor Day. (laughs) Memorial Day. Yes. Memorial Day. That's right. You hope that he gets something going. The summer okay. is next week. So I, I very kindly printed out several contracts, several volunteer opportunities for him. I think oh, he's sure going to appreciate that. Because that. that's what 17-year-old boys love is when their mothers print out things like yeah. that. I think that's he's going to appreciate that when he gets yeah. home. And we discuss very strongly and with today's deadline, like, these are the things you're applying for. You are doing something this summer. <laughs> Okay, way to go, Mom. It sounds like some excellent mothering going on there. I know. It's too bad. He did apply for a real job, but it was they it was at a camp, and they had such low enrollment. They didn't need as many oh. counselors as they thought. So, unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to work okay, out. Okay, but good intentions, Leanne. You yeah. can't just go with, you know, go with good intentions. All yeah. Right. Okie dokie. All right, so that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Looking for just a couple more weeks, and then he's out, and then... Then he'll be sitting at home unless he, <laughs> unless he goes. And the two of you can like review the Vermont catalog together. That would be nice. Going to keep us busy. Yeah. It's a lot of beauty products I haven't even gotten to yet. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.